0: Hey, welcome to Praying the Psalms, a daily podcast from Doxa Church here in Madison, Wisconsin. As the church finds itself isolated physically, we are reading, studying, and praying the Psalms to join ourselves together spiritually. We want to slow down, get a bigger picture of God and a clearer picture of ourselves, and most of all, we want to join ourselves together around the throne of Jesus who has joined himself to us. Today, we're going to be in Psalm 119, so if you haven't yet, take a minute and read that, and I'll go ahead and read it for us here. (laughs) I'm just kidding. There's 176 verses in Psalm 119, so we probably don't have the time for me to uh, read it all for us today, but this psalm is an incredible psalm. I I was reading in um, the study Bible that um, was gifted to me the day I got baptized, um, and and I really liked its summary of it, and it was helpful for me to understand this psalm. Listen, it says, Psalm 119, a wisdom psalm, is the premier song about the Torah. It celebrates the word of God in a way that is almost exhaustive. This very lengthy poem is an acrostic poem. For each of the 22 consonants in the Hebrew alphabet, there are eight verses beginning with that letter. Within the psalm, eight words for God's law occur again and again. Law, testimonies, promise, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, word. The psalm uses the full meaning of all of these words as it elaborates on the application of the law of God to both daily life and Israel's Destiny. The law is never considered a curse. It is always seen as a gift from God. The cumulative effect of this lengthy celebration of the word of God is impressive. The psalmist cannot stop praising God for his mercy and goodness and providing his people with instructions for living. Now, Psalm 119 is not a short psalm, but here's the thing. This is my... Uh, encouragement and challenge to you. Seriously, um, read Psalm 119 today. Now, stop, 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 stop. Um, I'm almost certain that what you heard me say was uh, my, well, I guess <laughs> I kind of screwed this up. I was going to say, you heard me say, I encourage you to, I guess I did literally say that. Okay, I take that back. Read Psalm 119 today. Um, I know that it, it's maybe a lot to read in one sitting. That's Okay. If you, if you don't do it in one sitting, which you totally can, um, but if, if you don't, there's 22 sections to this psalm, and if you broke that up into um, two or three sections every hour, you could read this psalm today, all throughout the day, and just chew on it all day. Now, this psalm overall, like that excerpt that I just read, said, it's basically about this, God's instruction for living and our gratitude for that. And the Psalm is actually very, very similar in theme to Psalm 1. And uh, there's one verse in this Psalm that if you've heard any of them, you've probably heard this one. The most famous verse is is, uh, Psalm 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In fact, in your Bible, it probably says as the title, your word is a lamp to my feet. And and that's accurate. Absolutely um, a a good way to sum up this psalm. If there's one verse that stood out to me as kind of the heartbeat of this psalm, it, it would be verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And that verse really hit me like a ton of bricks, because I just thought that was such a beautiful prayer request to start any time that you read the Bible. And this Psalm specifically uh, is specifically referencing over and over the law, the Torah. But I think that it's appropriate to take this Psalm's heart and apply it to all of God's word. And this Psalm is so exhaustive and so lengthy. I'm not going to be able to sum up the entire thing or every detail about it, but I just want to take three things that stood out to me, lead us through three prayers, and then encourage you to go through and do the same thing. See what sticks out to you and how could you pray that back to God. But so to start, let's start with that verse, verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. A good verse to go with that, I think is in verse 32. It says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. And I just am so convicted to ask God, God, open my eyes and make my heart huge for your word. That when I read the Bible, I would be in amazement and that new things would jump out at me. Not new things in the sense that like I've got some new way to get to heaven or some new secret that no one has ever thought of before, but new in that it's so much deeper than I ever give it credit for. And I don't care how old of a Christian you are, ask any Christian and they will tell you every time... I open the Bible and take it seriously and listen to it for what it says to me, I get something new out of it. You could read the same chapter over and over and over. You should read the whole Bible. Don't just get stuck in one part. But literally, if you just took, I don't know, Ephesians 2 and just read that every day for the rest of your life, you would continue to draw out new things. So I think it's appropriate to start by asking God to open our eyes to the wonders of his word, both for Psalm 119 and then for the rest of his word. Make this a practice of yours. Maybe maybe this year, this semester, what you do is, is you look ahead to what we're about to teach on a Sunday and you read that for yourself earlier in the week. Maybe you go back and you say, I, I want to read through what we just taught again and again. Maybe you just have some other Bible study that you're going through on your own with friends, or maybe you really are just, you know, crack it open and say, where are we dropping? What should I read today? Figure out the day of, but regardless, don't do that without praying. So I'm going to give you a minute now. Pray to God. Open my eyes. I may behold wondrous things out of your word. Pray to him now. This next part that really convicted me and grabbed me comes earlier in the chapter. In verse 5, it says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Later in verse 7, it says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. And I wrote next to that, Do I love, quote unquote, rules? And if you're like me, You've probably felt this reading through the Psalms before. I, I definitely felt this when I first became a Christian and, and was reading these for the first time. I was so baffled <laughs> by this the psalmist's um, constant references to God's rules. Now, if you say God's word or even like the, just say the Bible, I, I would get that. But when I would read when I first became a Christian, like, I am so grateful for your rules. I was like, man, I don't know if I ever hear the term rules unless it's like something lame, right? (laughs) Like, don't disobey the rules. And even now I'm convicted to ask myself, do I love God's rules? Probably that still has a little bit of a negative or a scary connotation to it, but that just reveals in me that I don't get God's rules because if I got God's rules, I would get that they are a reflection of his beautiful and perfect character. And as I kept reading, uh, in verse 20, it says, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. And I wrote this in the side of my Bible and occurred to me like, yeah, I actually, I love not being in the dark on what God wants. Right. I mean, I even think in what I do for local missions, what I try to do is I try to really read up all the time on what God's heart for us and how we live towards our neighbor is. And I try with any decision that we ever make as a church to have like a Bible verse for it. And at first, when you're reading up on God's commandments, maybe you can kind of feel like, oh, is this legalistic? Is this like, am I just beating myself up too much? Is it wrong to, because I, I should just have grace and I'm not worry about the rules or whatever. Absolutely, you cannot save yourself by good works. We are saved by grace through faith alone. But as Rob preached through the James series, Faith never stands alone. And so I want to know this God who I get to have a relationship with and this Jesus who I get to follow now, what is their heart that I would do? So take that now and pray and ask God to give you a heart that loves his rules. And then this last thing, that really gripped me. Was this verse 74 says, "Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hoped in your word." Verse 79 says, "Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies. Unless he gets a big head, he follows it up with may my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame." But that verse 74, those who fear you shall see me (laughs) and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I wrote next to that. Wow. Can I honestly say that? And I don't want us to get like a big head and think that like, you know. I need to to get it together and be perfect, and, and everybody needs to look at me, and I need to post to Instagram and Twitter and Facebook about all these things that I'm doing so that everybody, like, applauds me or whatever. No, 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 no. But I, I do want to ask myself, honestly, to someone who loves God so much that when they see someone obeying him and walking with him, they would feel encouraged and that they would praise God. God, for his work in that person, am I participating with the Holy Spirit's work in such a way that that they could look at me and, and honestly say that? This isn't like a, I need to go out and find people to impress. That's not the point. But am I living in such a way that if someone did catch a glimpse of my life, because they love God so much, not me, Because they're so impressed with God so much, not me. Would they see my life and see not me, but God in me? Would they see me and see not me, but Jesus in me and me becoming more like Jesus? And would that give them reason to turn and praise God and worship him? So I can't emphasize enough. That's not to say you should feel guilty if you're not super impressive as a Christian. No, 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 no. Again, root this in a love for God's word and his instruction. But pray to God that you could encourage your Christian brother and sister and your obedience to him. Because think, we all know this. When we're trying to follow God, how discouraging is it? Let's say you're trying to, to quit swearing. And your, your Christian friends swear like a sailor and, you know, they give you crap for it for trying to not to, right? Whatever that is, you're trying to, if you're a college student you're underage, you're trying to quit drinking and your Christian friends are like, what, what's the big deal or whatever. That is so discouraging. But when we kind of agree, Hey, I don't care. It's not awkward. You and I both want to follow Jesus. Let's do it together. And you see your Christian brother or sister truly becoming like Jesus, not becoming less like themselves, but more like the real self that God always meant for them to be. You praise God for that. So pray that God would do that in your life and that he would get full credit for it. God, I love you and I love your word. But I confess, God, I often, if not most of the time, have a small heart towards your word. Would you grow my heart for your word, for your instruction, God? I pray that you do the same thing for everyone listening today. And I pray, God, that you would hold us all accountable to reading Psalm 119 today and really meditating on it. God, thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.